With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. My name is Aaron Laxton. I'm alongside with Robert Brining. And this is Pause I Am, your 90-minute dose of hope. Brought to you each Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we bring the latest in gossip, celebrity news, policy, and legislation, among other things. We have an amazing show lined up for you tonight. We invite you to be a part of the conversation by calling in to 347-215-9442. That's 347-215-9442. You may also follow along on social media, Facebook and Twitter, or at pauseim.org and participate in the chat that will go on throughout the duration of this program. So sit down, buckle up, and enjoy the show. Your 90-minute dose of hope starts now. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. The fabulous Aaron Laxton is beside me. Hello, Aaron. Well, not physically, are you? Hola. No, I am in Washington, <laughs> D.C. tonight. D.C.? What are you doing in D.C.? Yeah. Uh, it is our uh, fall meeting for the AIDS clinical trials group. So I will be here until Wednesday, and then I fly back to St. Louis um, and drive to southern Missouri to present to the Missouri Department of Corrections uh, for uh, HIV in the prison population. So it's a busy week for me. That sounds like you're busy. Girl, I get around. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> oh, That's what they say. That's what they say. So we have an amazing show lined up. Um, coming up a little bit later, we're going to have three amazing young men who uh, are, are personal friends of mine and uh, part of my uh support network um, are actually going to come on the show and, and share their story. They All three of them have been living with HIV for two years, and they're all in their 20s, so I thought it would be kind of a, a cool uh, show idea to have them all come on and, and talk about it, um, what it was like, because they actually were just featured in ANU Magazine. They had an article written about them and a few other of uh, friends of mine and theirs, uh, that were featured in it. So having these guys come on and talk about you know what they are dealing with as people in their 20s, because they're the next generation. They're the people coming up who are going to, you know, take the torches from us when we're ready to put them down. And I'm interested in hearing how they're thinking and what they're feeling right now, you know, going through through life in 2013 with HIV. Uh, I'm really excited to hear this story. I know that uh, reading the article uh, really piqued my interest in um, and just what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I'm, I'm excited to have them on. So do you have any uh, news? Oh, let's talk about this. Do you have any news lined up, first of all, for us? Oh, yes, I do. But see, okay, well, I, before can't, we, we, I can't we, access okay, the that. dashboard. I know, but I can do it. I can do it. I can, I can play your intro. So um, is it called the news sounder? 
Yes, the new sounder, because I'm okay. a dancing monkey. Play it. Okay, I'll play it. Here we go. You are hotness. Work that bod. Oh, my God. Work that bod. Work it. Now do a little turn. You're doing great. You're a tiger. Oh, you're really an elephant. But I'm not going to tell you that. You're really an elephant, but I'm not going to tell you that. Really an elephant. So what have we got across the blogosphere this week? And we've got some amazing um, news, some that's controversial, some that is, uh, I mean, it's just some great stuff. So you may have seen a piece floating around on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter, calling into question um, GMHC's financial, um, how they split up their money, how much money is going to actual aid uh, services. Um, Well, this past week an article came out um, that basically just lined up the facts um, and rebuttaled this this article that came out. Um, And in the article they talk about, you know, fact. GMHD is among the nation's most efficient nonprofits with 88 cents of every dollar supporting direct programming. Um, it goes on to outline that the AIDS Walk is a vital fundraiser for GMHC and more than uh, 40 other AIDS prevention organizations without which it would not be possible to provide counseling, testing, advocacy, meals, education that keep the uh, fight against AIDS going. And then the third fact was that even in 2013, the stigma against HIV and AIDS makes it nearly impossible to find suitable, affordable cho- uh, choices for the space that GMHC needs to serve our community. This is all, uh, there's been a lot of, um, it, from the outside it seemed like a power struggle going on over at G- GMHC, but I have all the confidence in the world that they're, they're kind of figuring all that out and for those of you who don't know, GMHC has been one of the longest-running um, and oldest for, uh, aid service organizations in the country. Um, and so uh, my best to them and their board of directors as they kind of work through all this stuff. Um, but they're definitely doing some, some good work over there. A story from our partners over at HIV Plus Mag um, this week why you need to know your CD4 count now. Um, and the gist of this article and uh, latest research shows that um, the studies have shown that people who are diagnosed with HIV might be able to better manage their treatment by learning their CD4 counts as soon as possible. Um, you know, when I read this, it was kind of like a no-brainer because now doctors automatically do a CD4 and a viral load if you test positive. Um, right. But this, this study, um, it was 516 people with HIV appeared in the Journal of AIDS Research and Human Retroviruses um, that early tabulation of CD4 counts can help doctors better determine um, when patients should begin antiretroviral therapy. And, of course, 
we know that the CDC changed their recommendations that uh, before it was when a person's um, CD4 dropped, you know, around 500. Now the CD4, uh, or uh, the CDC rather, says that a person should start antiretroviral therapy as soon as they're diagnosed. So if your CD4 is 1,000, you should start. If your CD4 is 200, you should start. Um, and so, you know, it's an interesting piece from them. Did you get a chance yet to see the uh, the movie that we were talking about last week, um, the Dallas Buyers Club? No. So there's a piece out in The Advocate uh, from our partners over at The Advocate, and I thought it was just really interesting. Uh, this is a, a critique by Michael uh, Musto. Um, the title of the article is AIDS Interrupted. And the byline is, though there are fearless AIDS documentaries and TV movies um, being made now, it seems only decades of distance allows Hollywood studios to tackle the topic. And I thought that's a pretty valid point. You know, it's, uh, we've not seen that many um, uh, movies or, you know, anything coming out of Hollywood where HIV and AIDS is the primary focus. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. And then the last thing, because I'm always one for a, uh, a uh, shameless plug, um, an, op-ed, an op-ed piece of mine was, uh, was pushed out to the advocate this week uh, titled, Is AIDS Funny? Um, that was in reference to a, um, a comment that I had had that was posted on my Facebook page. But in the article, I talk about you know, are we at a place in our in our in our society and culture that AIDS is funny? You know, that it's just a, a punchline to a joke. And I think that's really interesting that we have these guests on tonight um, because it, it would be interesting. And I want to hear how is stigma affecting them? How do they perceive that that society looks at them um, with having HIV and AIDS? I've gotten some great results from the, the article, and I've gotten some naysayers. I've learned, don't ever read the uh, reviews. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's funny there, because these, they're what? What was that? Aaron. No, I was going to say, it's funny that you, you bring up this aid. It's funny because, you know, with this group of guys, you know, like I told you, they're my personal support system and they're my friends, and, and we joke about it all the time, and, and I think that's kind of what helps us bond and, and, and get past it because sometimes we have to joke about it. So, um, but uh, I but think someone it's said it this week that, you know, it's kind of like the N-word, right? That, you know, one of my friends posted that, you know, if you're African-American, you can say that, right? It, it's okay. You, you know, well, some would say it, would, it isn't. But so is it the same with those of us that are living with HIV and AIDS? that if you have that diagnosis, then it's somehow okay for us to joke about it. And really, I think it's up to the person. I mean, I can't tell you what's right or wrong for you personally. Right. But, like, if you're going through anything in life, no matter what the struggle may be, when you sit back and actually laugh about it and not take it so seriously, it makes you feel better. And I think that's kind of why people get so bent out of shape, you know, when those that are living with the disease or fall into that category use that derogatory term. 
Right. And I mean, you anyone who's been around me or you um, or maybe long-term survivors, there's some of us that we really do, in order to cope with, with having HIV and in, in order to cope with the, the, the life that goes with the struggle, um, we go to humor. Um, and, and so for anybody who doesn't know what that's like, if they hear us talking about it, they'll be like, oh, what are you talking about? You know, that's, that's very morbid. Um, right. But it's just our, our way of getting through and pushing through. And, and it, so interesting point there. It's a coping mechanism. It is a coping mechanism. So, and that's all I have for you. It was a pretty short week. No, that's that's cool because I actually have a little bit of news myself. Um, this Wednesday, I went and actually got my first tattoo. So uh, um, I was kind of nervous about it, anxious. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of pain or needles, but I ended up getting the words "no shame" um, on my, you know, on my back from shoulder to shoulder. And I have to say, I absolutely love it. And my friend uh, Scott, who actually who did it himself, and it is amazing. So if you go to Ink by Scott Michael on Facebook and like his page and check it out, um, it does great work. Um, but it was just awesome to get it. I, I feel like I got it to as as a way to promote awareness of, of I guess loving oneself no matter what the situation may be, whether it be that I'm gay or HIV positive or that I'm a recovering addict or or whatever the situation may be, that I, I always remind myself that I have no shame in who I am because if I wasn't who I am, I wouldn't be who I am. So, you know what I mean? I guess, I don't know, it just kind of made me feel good to, to get something like this that wasn't, I guess, so so obviously blunt, you know, something to represent AIDS or, you know what I mean? I loved it. Everybody, it was, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I, I thought it was uh, spectacular and... Uh, as long as your tattoo means something to you, I mean, you know, that's that's the thing, you know, um, it has to be personal. It has to be personal. Yeah, and there's nothing more personal than wanting to to show the world that you aren't ashamed of who you are on many different aspects. Right. But you have tons, don't you? Didn't they hurt, man, on my back? That hurt like a bitch. I have a few. I have a, you know, it looks like I just got out of prison. I got a few. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's funny. Okay, so um, that's it with the news for us. Um, if you uh, you know want to call in and speak with us, you can reach us at three four seven two one five nine four four two. We have three amazing guys coming up: Adam, Amir, and Ryan. They're going to be uh, sharing their story of what it's like to be in their twenties living with HIV here in the Philly area, uh, New Jersey area. So we'll be right back after this uh, PSA. Coffee with cream. Thanks. Here's your cappuccino, miss. Look, let's talk. Did you know that your doctor doesn't necessarily test you for STDs? GYT. Get yourself tested and get yourself talking. Have an honest, open conversation with your healthcare provider about STDs. Ask to be tested. Visit gytnow.org to find an STD testing location near you. A message from CDC. This is Britney Spears for Life Beat, the music industry fights AIDS. 
HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, is hitting young women hard. If you choose to have sex, be safe. Use protection every time. Help support Life Beat Zero Transmission 2001 campaign by not getting infected with HIV. Don't be a zero. All right, and we are back live. Pause Radio. Uh, Robert and Aaron joining live from D.C. Uh, let's go ahead and bring our first guest on, uh, Adam Strago. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hello. Hey, how are you, man? <laughs> Good, how are you? We're doing well. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm just stalking your Facebook pages. <laughs> Creeper. <laughs> how are you, Adam? <laughs> I am inst- I am blocking you right now. Hold on. Let me go to my Facebook <laughs> I just friend requested you. <laughs> Girl, I am in a blackout. I, I cannot hear anything. But I'm amazed right now I'm talking to someone who I was just reading an article about, and um, Robert speaks so highly of you. Um, I want to hear all about you. I want to hear about what's going on in your life. Who are you? Well, like you said, my name is Adam. Um, I'm a young guy. I live in New Jersey and um, just trying to, you know, get by life happy and, you know, with friends and everything and, um, you know, having uh, Rob as a friend and all the other people that are going to be on the show, you know, have really been my support system. So, Adam, take us back to the day that you were diagnosed. What was that like for you? What What was the, the situation like um, when you got tested and the doctor told you you were positive? Um, it was probably the scariest experience I've ever had to deal with. Um, at the time, I went to my family doctor, which was just kind of like a um, small family doctor out in the suburbs, and um, he, told, he told me that I was going to, he told me I was going to do, I wasn't going to die like 10 to 20 years, I would live 20 to 40 so I'm looking at this doctor thinking that I'm going to die by the time I'm 60. And um, so it was just really upsetting and really scary. And then I went with the guy that I was seeing at the time to go um, to Philly to get tested at the William Way Center. So I got tested again, and it came up positive, and I just I lost it. And it was crying and, um, you know, so upset and just didn't know what to do. So who was the first person in your family that you told? Um, I actually never told anyone in my family. Um, my family found out because of the, the um, doctor that I was going to um, for my specialist, they offered delivery service of their meds. And since they were only open 8 to 5, I had to get my meds delivered. So they delivered the meds one time, and the, things were, the labels were on the outside of the bag. And my mom Googled what they were, and that's how she found out. <laughs> Wow, I actually remember you, you, you talking about that before. And and what was that like when did they sit you down when you came home? Like what was it like that they put it up on the table or Um, well my parents are very like very Italian, you know, very passionate speaking people and as soon as I walked in the door my mom just gave me a a look of like I'm in trouble. And she's just, you know, started saying, what was this? And she's, like, freaking out and crying and screaming and saying, this is the worst nightmare come true. Um, you know, how could this happen? And don't drink out of our glasses. Don't use our chapstick. Um, you know, I don't want the babies to be around you. Kind of, she just went berserk, and it was awful. 
So this is two years ago. How old were you then? Um, I was 23. 23. So did you... were you educated about HIV and AIDS before being diagnosed? Was it something you were, you know, taught about in school or? Um, not really. The, I mean, everyone kind of knew about it but didn't really know. You know, it was kind of one of those things that you knew about it but it really wasn't, you didn't think it was going to happen to you. So kind of, you know, I mean, I didn't make any, you know, choices that someone else wouldn't make. You know, I did everything right, I thought, and, you know, I just, we didn't learn much about the effects and everything in school. It just kind of was like, oh, get HIV, and that was kind of it. Like, it, they didn't explain anything about it. Um, right. You know, had, had I known, like, how I'm living now, like, when I found out, I would have been a lot more comfortable and a lot more accepting of it. I was so scared when I found out that I thought I was going to die. And, you know, now I'm, I, there's been no change health-wise from when, I wasn't positive to when I am. All, all I do now is take one pill a day, and I'm completely fine. And I have friends that aren't positive that take way more than one pill a day. <laughs> <laughs> what right, was your, your uh, when you first tested positive, what was your uh, your CD4, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it was 182, and my viral load was 50,000. 50, and... Um, and I asked my doctor about that, and he said um, he said I must have just been diagnosed recently because within two weeks I was undetectable, and um, and my CD4 was um, in the 800s. So he said it must have been. Um, there's a point when you first find out, like when you first get positive, that your CD4 drops real low, and then your body picks it back up. So he said he caught me in that low point, and so that's why they still consider it HIV. So thinking back on it, what, I mean, what, if you had a person that was newly diagnosed and they came to you and they had just tested positive or um, they had just taken a test but they were fairly certain it was going to be positive, what would you offer that, you know, what, what advice would you offer to that person? Um, you know, it's, it's tough to answer that because, you know, everyone wants to hear something different. Um, I would just, you know, gosh, I don't even know what I would say to them. I'd probably say, you know, that everything's going to be okay. Um, your life is going to be normal and you'll be happy in time. And it just, you know, that nothing that, you know, nowadays it's different. You'll, you know, you'll be healthy. You'll be able to do anything you want to do. Um, the only restriction is you, you know. That's a good point that you you point out that any restrictions is you. That's a, that's a good little thing. Um, so ended up connecting with a local ASO here in Philly where actually we met, um, and you met that and the, the other guys that are going to be on later. Um, what was it like going to that support group for you? Because, you know, you're being newly diagnosed, walking into a support group. I know it's difficult. I went to my first one, and I was easily picking out things that, reasons I didn't belong there or things that made me feel different than these people that were there. So how did you seem to connect so well? Because you did. When you came in, you were connected. Right. Um, when I first went in, I mean, I was super scared. And, you know, they asked, you know, you can say something, but you don't have to. And at the time, I was like, no, I don't want to say anything. And then somebody said something that made me, like, 
reminded me that that's what I'm going through, that, that like, they went through that, and now I'm going through that. And so it kind of just opened me up to feel this connection, and then I just poured my heart out, cried for, you know, ever long. And uh, Colin, he's, uh, he's not on tonight, but he's in the article with me, and he was there since I very first started going. And he's the person that I've always remembered that was there every time I'd go. And mm-hmm. it was just, you know, it's a, just the connection of the common threads. You know, you think you're alone. You know, you think you're up in your room crying by yourself that, you know, no one else is going through what you're going through. And then when you just go to this group of people that you've never met before and never, you know, even people that you wouldn't associate with outside of this. And then you just hear them have these same stories the same struggles and the same things to overcome, and you know it just you feel connected instantly. Yeah, so I feel if, that connection. If we had a, you know, we all know that funding for different programs are going away. We're dealing with limited budgets, and Ryan White uh, funding um, is is in the balance. If we had politicians that we're listening to the show right now, and you had to make a pitch to them why support groups are so important or why this particular support group has been so instrumental to you, what would you say to them? Um, I would basically say and explain to them how the group therapy has, you know, saved my life, you know. It's hard to go through something when you're all alone and you feel like there's nobody else out there and, you know, people look down on you for being like this. You know, it's hard enough to be coming out gay and now you have to come out with this. And it's just kind of, you know, you feel like it's not even worth trying to do, you know, and it's just it's very depressing. And but then when you have those support groups and those people that are offering, you know, assistance and you know, caring for you and just, you know, giving you everything that they have and then you can return that, you know, you need to have those support groups there, you know, and you need to fund it any way you possibly can. (laughs) I'd like to ask a tough question, so you'll have to forgive me. (laughs) What? I said I like to to ask those tough questions, and so you'll have to forgive me for that. <laughs> I'm not much of a politician, so. <laughs> so, so Adam, tell us a, a little bit about um, you know you talk about how you struggle with stigma in, in your bio. What, what are some of the things that you've dealt with stigma, you know, stigma-wise? Um, I would say the hardest thing with the stigma is um, I feel like a lot of people were how I was before I was positive. They don't really know much about it. They you know. They know it's there. They know what happened in the 80s, but no one really knows what it's like now. And I've been on, I got the last five dates that I've been on, and they've gone to second dates and even third dates, and then I've told them, and they just don't, you know, they just can't handle it or, you know, they don't want to be bothered with it. And it just, you know, that's the, that's the hardest part that hurts the most is when you're on a date and, you know, or they'll say something about that, like, oh, don't talk to that person, you know, they've got this, and it's just like, it's so hard sometimes to deal with, and, like, this one guy that I went on a date with, I was actually seeing him for about, about, like, three weeks, but we were in awkward, like, places, like, with our parents or something like that, 
um, down at the beach kind of thing, somewhere where we, you know, wouldn't be hooking up. So we just had, you know, we just had three weeks of, like, you know, going on dates and hanging out. And then when we were about to have, you know, sex for the first time, I had to tell him right then and there. And he was just basically like, well, I can have sex with you, but I just can't be in a relationship with you or somebody like you. And it just kind of, you know, it hurts so bad and it makes no sense as to why, you know, that you can have sex with me, but you can't be in a relationship with me. And it's just kind of, you know, it's people don't understand, you know, that it's, it's, you know, I pretty much live a normal life. You know, you use a condom anyways, so, you know, what's the difference? <laughs> right. It's just that rejection that sucks, you know, that constant rejection. Yeah. But that does go away. Is, is that a reason why you kind of went public and did the interview or agreed to do it, was to kind of just get it out there and not have to deal with disclosing? Because, I mean, it's a, it's a great benefit of being somebody who's vocal in the community. Um. Uh, that's part of the reason that I did the article and everything. I There was, like, three different parts of reason why I wanted to do the article. One was, you know, um, to help others, you know, coming out. Because I felt like everyone that was doing the article was at a place where they were comfortable, a place where they were mm-hmm. happy being positive. And I felt like I wasn't there yet, and I felt like I needed to show people that, you know, it is a hard thing to have and the struggles that we go through, you know, so that they can understand and be a little empathetic of, you know, what that I have to deal with. And, um, but also it was therapy for me. And it is kind of, you know, I know a lot of people in the neighborhood and a lot of people know who I am. And if they see that, you know, that I am positive but, and I've been positive for a while, you know, and that they know me, you know, it's kind of, it may help the stigma and be like, wow, you know, I knew somebody and was close friends with somebody and they were positive. You know, there's, right. there's nothing wrong with that. So that have you gotten another. a good reaction? Have you gotten a good reaction from your friends? Like, have you had any negative? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually have not. Not yet, but I'm sure there will be, but I haven't had anybody say anything bad. Every I've gotten a couple Facebook messages and text messages and people coming up to me at the bar, you know, just saying how proud of me they were for doing it and, you know, how much it, you know, they know how much it must have, you know, how hard it was to do. Um, and they just said it was very brave and, you know, that they're here for support if, if I need anything. And it was, it was really nice to have that and, you know, for them to be okay with it. So, but I haven't gotten anything negative yet. Well, I think it's awesome because, you know, I can't imagine, and it took me five years to go, public or to, to start talking about it online and, and I think to be, you know, how old are you now? Twenty what, three, four? Twenty five. Twenty five, so you're twenty five now and two. Hey, you're actually the same age I was, but it took me five years because I was like around twenty one. Um, to actually to talk about it. I think it's incredibly brave and, you know, I, I'm honored to be your friend and, you know, the the three guys that are on all, all of you. And I think it's just awesome that you're doing what you're doing and and doing it at such a young age and being a role model because you're starting the conversation with people who may not have the conversation. Even if they're talking negatively about you being HIV positive, they're still talking about HIV. That is starting some sort of a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I just think it's, it, you guys are very brave to do what you do and put your faces out there. And uh, I'm honored to call you my friend and to have you guys in my support system. I think it's great. And especially, like, last night, you know, our, our group has folded. Um, unfortunately, and it hasn't been what it was. 
But to, to have you host a dinner for us Friday night at your house and, and cook for us, and it was just really, really cool to sit around the bonfire and, and just connect with everybody. I felt like it, it could have been a really cool reality show on Logo or something. That's how, you know, funny and, and touching it was right. because it was like, it was like a family to have us all together, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad everyone came, and you know, I needed I needed to have that support because of what happened, you know, with the downfall of the group. But being having you all there and just joking around and having a good time and cooking and being a family, you know, had you know really gave me what I needed that week. And the only reason that I'm okay with you know talking about it and, you know, doing the article and everything has definitely been an influence on you, you know, from you, you know, because you're always doing the show, you're always all about it on Facebook and, you know, you're just always, <laughs> you're, you're just always open about it and you're okay, you're okay, you know, there's, you know, you're happy and you're, you know, no one, like, says anything, you know, so it's it, like, it gave me the reassurance that it's going to be okay and that it's okay to you know, come out and talk about it. Well, I think it's awesome. I mean, you're going to have the same effect on people. You know what I mean? People are going to have to come up to you and be like, look, I don't want anybody to know, but, you know, this is my story, and, and that's kind of how, how it's been. And if you ever get a chance to go to conferences and stuff, it's an amazing thing to connect with other people around the world. And I just think, you know, you're, you're incredibly brave, Adam. You're a good-looking guy. You're, so you're going to find the right one. All these assholes are going to, you know, weed their ways out for a reason. You know, so love is down the road for all of you. So you just have to you know, allow it to happen. Adam, um, do you have any last words for um, our listeners? Um, I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of just, uh, you know, it takes me a little bit to get warmed up. But um, I would just say, you know, um, for all the people that are negative that are listening, you know, you know, give people a chance, you know, understand it a little bit more and um, all the positive people, you know, if you're young and single and gay, look me up. <laughs> that would so be you. <laughs> okay. I know, I was trying to get, I was trying to get Chip to put that in the article. So I think you were single and available? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, now you're hard to hear. People, you know, can find you on Facebook and, and look you up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Beware. You may get some fans. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, I asked Aaron to add me on Facebook. And you didn't, yeah. Hey, I am oh. blacked out right now, but don't you worry, girl. I will add you as soon as I get off this phone call. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, thanks for joining us, and uh, have a have a great night. All right, cool. I'm going to listen online. All right, man. I'll leave you on hold. All right, there you go, Adam Striker. He's a, he's an amazing young man, and, and you know so, they're all so brave to put themselves out there like that. So I he, applaud them he all. He sounds real sexy. Hey, <laughs> I'm going to have to make a trip up to New Jersey. Shoot, <laughs> is it up or over for you? Oh, you're in DC well, now, so I guess it is up. It's, it's, it's up and over. <laughs> don't, don't you worry, Adam. I'll, I'll uh, I got, I'll I got you. Don't it. you worry, Daddy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. So, um, oh man, what a, what a, what a, a fun guy. These guys are gonna have you cracking up. I tell you, Amir's coming on next. Uh, we're gonna uh, speak with him in a few minutes. Amir is a 22-year-old who was born and raised in Philly. Uh, 
He's been positive for about two years, and he feels that his diagnosis has made him a more positive person. Um, he's going to come on and talk about that and um, his support system. Now, we have a lot of people listening online tonight, so I'm excited about about all these, all these listening. If you have a question or want to call and speak to anybody, you can reach us at 347-215-9442. Um, do you have any words you want to say before we take a little uh, quick break? Well, you know, I just want the listeners and everybody that's listening online, sometimes, you know, we think that activism is going out and doing a protest or chaining yourself up to something or this, that, or the other. I would contend living your life out loud is the best form of activism that you can have. Showing people that you're not restricted by stigma and that you can live a full and healthy life that, my friend, is the definition of an activist. So don't ever sell yourself short. These three guys that we have on here are activists in their own right. I totally agree. So uh, we will be right back. This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. What up, everybody? This is Ludacris, and I want to tell you about something that many of us don't want to talk about. HIV AIDS and the toll it has taken on our community, especially young people. Now, HIV isn't his problem or her problem. It's all of our problems. The facts are clear. African Americans, especially young people, are being devastated by HIV and AIDS. But there is something we can all do about it. We can and must talk about HIV. So break the silence by having a conversation. Send a text, update your status, post this video. Talk about HIV and what we can do to prevent it. To get the facts, visit actsagainstaids.org. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS. And you are live back on Pause Am Radio with Robert and Aaron. We're about to go to our next guest, Amir. Aaron, are you with me? What up? We want to give a shout-out to Luda. Thanks, Luda, for that PSA earlier. <laughs> right, he's one of our peeps. That's my boy. <laughs> so, again, uh, please help me welcome Amir. Simon. Hello, Amir. Hi. Hey, how are you, girl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm excited to be on. Yes, yes. So, so, how have you been? I'm good. Good. You know, that's good. Last time I see you, you were here. You were having fun at Adam's uh, in that little shindig. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good time. So, so, um, Amir, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 20. So you were 20. You were born and raised in Philly. You were diagnosed two years ago, so you're 22 now. What was it like, and what made you go get tested? Well, actually, one of my friends, he just, you know, called me one day and said, hey, let's go get tested. So I just went. I didn't really think anything of it because I've been tested before, and I always came back negative. So I wasn't really prepared to, for my test to come back positive. So 
when it did, I was like in a total shock. Do you remember? Was it? Um, how did? How did the, the? I guess the tester tell you? Did they help you out with information right then and there? I mean, did you get tested down at? I'm assuming in Washington West. No, I actually no. went to like a rapid testing at University of Tennessee. Okay. And when I went, um, they had called my friend back first. He got his results, and it took like maybe 25 minutes for them to get my results. So I still didn't think anything of it. We were just sitting there talking, and the nurse came and got me, and she shut the door, and she sat me down, and she asked me, have I ever been tested before? And I told her yes. And she said, well, unfortunately today you tested positive for HIV. And I just remember my whole body just went numb and my mind was racing, but everything in front of me was moving in slow motion. And she, you know, gave me all the information of where to go and told me everything was going to be okay. And, you know, she reassured me that I was going to be good. Were you educated about HIV and AIDS? I was, but it, it kind of went in one ear and not the other because I just felt like I would never get it. So they have, in a way, it didn't really Adam. apply to me. Yeah. Yeah, you, you had what Adam had, the, the not me syndrome. I had that syndrome too. Mm-hmm. I had a very – I posted comments. This is Aaron. Uh, and I posted a status on Facebook uh, about uh, HIV and AIDS this week leading up to World AIDS Day. And I had a young man who replied with, before he had tested positive, um, in fact, I think it was Josh Robbins from uh, I'm Still Josh, and he said before he tested positive, he never knew somebody who was HIV positive. Did you know someone or or know people um, from around that was living with HIV before you tested positive? No. I, I didn't know anyone. Oh, I didn't either. And it was shocking because when I found out, it was like, who can I, you know, talk to? So it was it was kind of hard, but part of so, my friends. So who was the first family member that you told? Um, I actually didn't tell any of my family members. Well, my mom, she found out because my um, – I did the express scripts for my medicine, and it came in a mail. Mm-hmm. And she oh, was expecting too? a package. Yeah, she was expecting a package, and she didn't read the name, and she just opened it, and she, you know, kind of everything was, like, right there. It said what the medicine was, what it was for, who it was for. Oh, wow. And, yeah, that's how she found out. And how was she? I mean, she, she was, she was kind of upset. But I talked to her, and I gave her, like, all the information. I told her I was going to be fine. And she kind of, you know, calmed down. And she's cool with it now. Yeah? Two years later, she's kind of like, okay. This Mm -hmm. goes directly to the heart of, I mean, this is, you know, you're the second person tonight that mail order prescriptions has really outed them and outed their their HIV-positive status. And, this is an issue that's in the public eye of 
we're trying to get away from from mail order uh, HIV. Maybe we'll have to do another story on that uh, or another show on that in the future, Robert, on uh, mail order yeah. HIV meds. Well, that's interesting that they both did. I didn't. I knew Adam did. Um, found his parents found out that way, but I didn't know that that yours did, Amir. That's interesting and what a coincidence. I know. So they're they're, they're fine with it now. Um, how have you dealt with? Uh, dating or, or, or the stigma of, you know, disclosing like Adam spoke about earlier? Well, I haven't, I haven't dealt with any stigma the way Adam has, you know, dealt with it. I don't, I'm not dating right now, but I'm sure when I do start dating, I'll experience some stigma. But I just feel as though I have enough people around me that, you know, have dealt with it that I should be able to just deal with it with a grain of salt and not take it personal. You you actually got connected with the same ASO, all local here in Philly, and, and was a part of the support group. What was it like for you going the first time to that support group? Um, the first night, it was kind of, you know, scary. I had butterflies. I didn't know what to expect. I thought everybody was just going to be sitting there crying, and I didn't want to, you know, experience that because I I had already been through that and I was getting past it. I just wanted to, you know, connect with people that were positive because I I haven't known anyone that was HIV positive. So I just came and just sat and listened and just, you know, having that reassurance that I'm not the only person that's, you know, going through this. Now, when you went there, did you expect to see people your age there, or were you expecting an older crowd? Um, um, what was your expectations going there? I was expecting, like, a mixed crowd, older and younger. Yeah. And I was proved to be right. Well, I was. I think <laughs> I was the youngest. <laughs> so, yes. Now, now and, Adam and, talked about... Um, I'm sorry, Robert. No, that, that Adam came from a his family primarily is Italian in makeup, um, and it's interesting. That, you know, how, what is the makeup of your family? That if you would share that with our listeners, um, and on how they dealt with the news of you um, being diagnosed with HIV, did that play a role in how they dealt with the news? Um, of you being being HIV positive? Um, well, my family is African-American, and they didn't really, you know, look down upon me because it's just like a, a chronic illness like diabetes or cancer. So it, it wasn't like any stigmatism, stigmatism, Stigma coming from my, you know, my family. It just was like, oh, he, he has an a illness. He's going to take right. care of himself. We're going to help him. So, so they've been supportive for the most part. Yeah, they, they're pretty supportive. And now, have you experienced any negativity from anybody of your friends or anything like that since doing the article? Because you know that was in A and E. That's a pretty public magazine. It's been online. I mean, it's been shared everywhere. Um, have you had any negative backlash from that? No, all my friends are like really supportive, and they were just telling me how proud they are of me to, you know, 
be so open and transparent and, you know, turn it into a positive thing. So it's funny because that's exactly how I felt when I had the first, you know, article that I shared about anything. And I've had people from like high school contact me, who I didn't really talk with a lot in high school that are friends with me on Facebook that, you know, leave comments about, you know, the, the work that I do. And have you experienced like having like old time friends kind of contact you and say, Hey, this is awesome. Yeah. I had, um, one of my old coworkers who we kind of went to school together as well, but he contacted me and said, I just read the article and I just want to say I'm so proud of you and, you know, just showing support, not judging. Now, we've been, you know, going to the – go ahead, Aaron, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask that, you know, how old are you? You you had indicated that you were pretty young whenever you were – how old are you currently now? I'm 22. Okay. So baby. You are <laughs> you are a baby. And just to remind all of our listeners, the, the largest group that is experiencing HIV infections um is Latinos and African Americans between the ages of thirteen and twenty nine. So, you know, I would kinda of ask you the same question, well a little bit different than I that I asked Adam. If there is that listener out there from uh, you know, African-American male, maybe African-American gay male, who, who knows, but he's either afraid of being tested or he's afraid of stigma from the community. What would you say to that particular person that's listening right now um, to try to convince them to either go get tested or that, that it would be okay if they did test positive? I would say that knowing your status is the most, you know, liberating thing because if you if you don't know you can just unknowingly infect everyone that you you know come across of and it's not about you know testing negative or testing positive it's just having the the reassurance that you know your status so just in case you were to you were to be asked by you know a person that you're dealing with, if you're positive, you'll be able to just say, yes, I am, or no, I'm not. And, you know, just knowing that you're going to, you're going to have support no matter what. I really yeah, like that. It's not about knowing your status, or it's not about testing positive or negative. It's really about knowing your status. That's a profound statement, and it's really a takeaway that I hope listeners take away from this show tonight, that, if you do not know your status, which I assume many people that are listening do, but if you have friends or family, get the message out, get them out and get them tested, uh, uh, encourage them to get tested for, for HIV to know either they are negative or positive. That that was That's profound. I have um, actually uh, callers that are wanting to come on the air, so I'm assuming that they want to uh, speak with Amir. So uh, let me go ahead and bring this caller on. Uh, hello, caller, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, my name is Strawberry. Hi, Strawberry. Hi. Um, I want to say that, like, I, one of my having one of my friends having being positive and diagnosed being positive has changed the way that I have looked at people being positive. Um. 
Andrea has been my best friend for since I was like 18, 19. And when he told us that, you know, he had it, it shocked him because out of all of us, we would not, we would have never thought that it was just, not Andrea. Really, you know, like heart racing, like he said, your mind was just going to miles a minute. And, you know, like today, you know, as much information that we do, research about it, like you never have, like, stigma against a person because at the end of the day, everybody has, you know, human feeling beings and, and, and emotions. So I would never turn I think that, that speaks to the, the testament of how you were having a profound impact on your community, on your friend base, and you're reaching people, maybe whether you know it or not. Do you, do you know that you're reaching people? Um, I guess. I, I don't really, you know, think about it too much. I mean, I know I am, but I don't really sit back and think, oh, I'm touching people. I'm just sharing my story. But that's all it takes is, is, is just sharing your story to make, you know, your friends have a conversation or your friends to feel comfortable about coming out themselves or, or you know, just going to get tested and finding out because they see that you're, you know, doing well and living life and you're happy and, and things like that. It kind of rubs off on other people. And that's incredible. I know. <laughs> so are, are you still in shock that the article is out and like when you go and check it like your picture's there and all that um when I first you know saw the when I got the link I was kind of shocked because I wasn't I thought it was coming out later uh-huh. but when it finally came out I was like wow I really did it I didn't think I would ever you know be this public about anything. But it's good. It's kind of like reinventing yourself in like in a positive way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I would say like that, you know, your courage, and, and I know you're really being, um, you know, you, you, you're not, I, I don't think you fully recognize the, the magnitude of what you're doing. You're, you, you know, you're dismissing it as you're just being you. But I will say that what you're doing is having a profound impact on other people. And, and we know that in the African-American communities, many times that stigma, that first step of just stigmatizing HIV and not having the conversation, we haven't even passed that hurdle um, as prevention and outreach workers. So... I just say hats off to you a thousand times over. Um, kudos to you, and, and I can't send enough accolades your way. Keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully this is just a start to you being public and out loud with who you are. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's important. Actually, we have a couple more callers, so I'm assuming they're for you, Amir. So let's go ahead and bring on area code 215. Who's this? Yes, I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Okay. Hi. 
Uh, actually, my name is Liza. Hi, Liza. Hi. Hi, Liza. Hi, Amir. How are you? I'm good. Uh, how are you? So- I'm 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 okay. Um I actually just was able to to figure out how to tune in. So I didn't get to hear much of the show so far, but I just I don't want to take up time. I just wanted to call and say, you know how proud I am of 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 you and um you know the other guys who are, who are doing the show. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Um and I just heard them saying, you know, the the other co-host, I'm sorry, I forget his name, um saying that, you know, you, you don't realize the impact you have on people. And that is so absolutely true that, you know, you've had a huge impact on people we both know and, and on as on me as well. Um, and I just, you know, want to say to everybody that I, I love you all and I think you're all amazing. Oh, we love you too, Liza. Yes, we do. Well, Liza, thanks for calling in. I'll put you on hold so you can listen, okay? Thank you so much. I love you guys. You're welcome. We love you too. Alrighty then. So again, three four seven two one five nine four four two. We did have another call that they dropped. So um, let's see. Any uh, final words uh, for 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 anyone out there, Amir? Um, I just want to tell everyone to that's positive to stay strong, and stay positive. That you know things are going to get better. That's right, and you're a true testament to it. You know, sharing your story so publicly is so courageous. And same thing I said to Adam, I'm honored to have you as a friend and to be a part of my support system. Um, it was incredible being at Adam's and hanging out with you guys around the fire and, and just kind of throwing around conversation. I thought it was a lot of fun, so uh, I'm honored to yeah, know it you. It was. <laughs> so the same way. <laughs> there you go. There About you. Go. you. Have, oh, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have yourself a great night, and um, I will see you soon. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And again, uh, Amir Simon, you can find him on Facebook. Uh, amazing. Oh, actually, he's not on Facebook. <laughs> I don't know how man is on Facebook in this day and age, but he is not. <laughs> well, on Instagram. You can find him on Instagram. Go to my page, positive pitch, and you can uh, find a, a photo of him, and you can connect with him um, and leave him some feedback. What a, an amazing group of young men. Um to have on the show. I just, I, I love that this is the next generation of people who are living with the disease who are willing to talk about it. And that's the hardest thing to actually have conversations. Um, I do have a, another caller here, so let me go ahead and bring this person on. Area code 215, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello? Hello? Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Brianna. Hi, Brianna. How you doing? Oh, I was just calling to tell Amir that I'm very proud of him and that I love him and to keep doing what he's doing no matter what nobody says. And I just want to thank all you guys for this opportunity for him, and I'm just proud of him. Oh, well, thanks for calling. He's actually still listening online, so he can actually hear everything that you just said. Okay. Love you, Amir. That's all <laughs> so I wanted to say. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a great night, Brianna. All right. You too. Bye-bye. All righty then. So let's take a quick break. Aaron, you there with me? I am here. All right. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Let's take a, a quick <laughs> little break, and then we'll bring on uh, our next guest. 
Alright. Yo, it's your boy Lil John right here. Hey, it's your boy Lil Bo. On a serious note, this your boy Big Sam. Lil John and me, side boys. We here for life, beat the music industry fights AIDS. Listen up, drinking and drugs make people do stupid things, like not protecting themselves when having sex. You might think it's all good, but it only takes one slip up to get infected with HIV. Don't become another statistic. Use protection. To learn more about HIV and AIDS, call the National AIDS Hotline at one 800 34 to AIDS or log on to www.lifebeat.org. I'm a YouTube host and a co-host of this program, Pause I Am Radio. I'm an international activist and I'm a writer. But at the end of the day, I'm a person who's living with HIV who is subject to the criminal statutes in my home state of Missouri. And as such, I'm always interested in what's going on as we move forward to try to change criminalization statutes or modernize them. For all the information, I go to seroproject.com. That's S-E-R-O project.com. You'll find the latest information on what's occurring and what needs to occur by a group of individuals who are passionate about modernizing criminal statutes to help reduce stigma and stop perpetuating the hate for those simply living with a virus. I encourage you today, if you've not done so, please check out seroproject.com. That's S-E-R-O project.com. And you're back live. I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that voice. He sounded really familiar. He sounded kind of hot. I want want to get his number. Well, I have to hook that with him afterwards. I know him personally. (laughs) Okay, text that number to me. I'll get in touch with him. Oh, crap. So our next guest is uh, another amazing young man and personal friend of mine, uh, Ryan, who currently lives in the city of Philadelphia and is a full-time design at Ethan Allen and a part-time flight attendant. So he slides and gets a brown girl. Uh, the support from his friends and family has been a great help in helping him accept his status. He's been HIV positive for two years. Please help me welcome Ryan to the show. Hello, Ryan. Hello. How you doing? Girl, I'm doing good. How you doing? <laughs> good, good. It's so great to have you on the show. I know, finally. Right, right, right. For a second, I thought we had Wendy Williams up in her. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me, um, uh, you've been positive for, for two years. How old are you? I'm 26. Actually, November 15th was my two-year anniversary. Woohoo! <laughs> wow, two years. So, so yeah. going back to the day that you got tested, what made you go get tested, and, and what was it like getting that positive result? Um, it was like any other normal day for me because um, I'm also diabetic. I'm type 1 diabetic, so I every three months we go to my family doctor and get blood work done and everything, and my doctor was a very young, hip, African-American, Jamaican woman, and she was just very sweet. And she was like, you know, let's just, let's just get everything in there at once. And so we got everything in there at once, and I had been coming back negative for years. And this time she said, you know, your, your diabetes is doing really well, you're doing really good. And she's like, but unfortunately you came back HIV positive. And I literally just, like, stared at her for a good five minutes, and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, what do we do next? 
that was that was the beginning. And, and what what were your thoughts? Like, were you educated about HIV beforehand? Did you, uh, like we asked Amir, did you know somebody who was positive? I actually um, had, well, being a flight attendant, you know, no pun intended, um, I <laughs> know a lot of people that are HIV positive and have had discussions with them and stuff, and um, my immediate thought was just like, wow, like I, I was educated on it. I've always been educated on it, and I I knew the risk I was running, but um, I just um, I come from a per- I come from a place of trust, and I trust the people in, in that situation. And I was guess I was wrong. So, all right. So let me ask you a weird, uh, not a weird question. Uh, uh, I posted a comment this week on Facebook, as I've been doing all week leading up to World AIDS uh, Day. So um, be sure to check out all the statuses. Said that in my in my status that. I thought as a young gay man, uh, a gay male, it was inevitable that I would one day test positive for HIV. Did you think that one day you would test positive for HIV? Was it something you were scared of? What was your thought process in regards to HIV? I I didn't think that I would become positive because I thought I was taking the correct precautions because I was the only people I was having unprotected sex with were people I was having relationships with, whether they were romantic or they were just, you know, a friends with benefits. It was like if I was sleeping with you unprotected, I had gotten tested. I had taken your word that you had gotten tested, and that was the naive part of me, and you were the person that I was having unprotected sex with. So I thought I was taking the correct precautions. It wasn't like... I thought, oh, I'm going to get it one day, so why not just, you know, have fun? Not care. Yeah. So how did you, or have you not, because it seems to be the trend that you didn't actually tell your, did you tell your family personally? Yeah, the first person I, I I walked out of the doctor's office and I got into my car and I actually had to go to class in Philadelphia. I was in school at the time and I sat in my car and I called my um, best friend and roommate, um, John, at the time, and um, I cried, and then it was like a, it was like that movie from uh, where Sally Field snaps out of her crying spell, and I was like, I just got to go to class, <laughs> and I drove across the bridge and went to school, and um, I literally that to the next day I called my mother, and my my mother the the best friend of my mother that she is, um, she said, Oh, you'll be fine. Let me tell you about a wedding I did last night. I have a great understanding family. I, I've never, you know, the gay thing, the being a bottom thing, the whole thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I told you I said the best for last. <laughs> I, mean, I warned the you. Truth. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're fine. They're fine with that. Like they're they're great. They're a great group of people. And I I haven't faced the things that like like Adam faced or you know Amir Amir's family seems cool with it. I don't know how far extended he's you know told everybody, but my family is very very open. We have an open door policy, and we're good. Like we don't. I'm not. Well, they would awesome. never say anything negative towards me. Yeah. 
Oh, that's awesome. Were you afraid to tell them? Like, did you have fear to tell them? Well, actually, um, I feel horrible about this, but I, I kept it from my sister, Rachel, for like the past two years, and she found out today with all of the Facebook posts and stuff. And oh, I, Lord. I, no, it's not your fault. It's completely my fault, and it was... You I said know, yes. Well, I had posted it myself, and I didn't even think, it didn't even dawn on me, and we had a conversation today, and I feel horrible. And if she's listening, I still feel horrible about the whole situation. I should have never, ever kept it from her, but I just felt like she, of all the group, would have had the most difficult time of dealing with it, and I didn't want to, I didn't want it to affect her. So that was my, it was selfish, I guess, on my part to not tell her, but everyone in my family does know, and they're, you know, they're cool with that thing. They didn't read the A and E article. I don't know if they did or not. I have to ask them. <laughs> so if no, you that's... were if you were to talk to that one listener tonight who, you know, they're they're only having sexual contact with people who quote unquote say they're negative or they're in relationships, they are doing everything that they they believe is gonna keep them safe. What would you say to that person right now? Wrap it up, motherfucker. Don't trust nobody. <laughs> or you can also, and as a side note, you could also consider PrEP because, you know, PrEP is another great prevention tool. Um, if our listeners are interested, you can go to www.truvada.com and learn more about that or wrap it up in efforts. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just, I I learned the I learned the hard way. My mother always told me from a very young age, you come in this world alone and you leave this world alone. And I I, I learned the lesson. So not, that not, is you know, true. We actually we actually have a caller, so I want to go ahead and take this area code four eight four. You're on the air. Who's this? Hello. Hi. Who's this? hang up. Uh, now I'm not getting any kind of answer, so hopefully they'll call back into the show. You want to call in 347-215-9442. So, you know, uh, the three guys, the two guys on earlier, Adam and Amir, they, they, we spoke about the support group that we all have went to before um, at the local ISO. Tell me what it was like for you walking into that support group the first time. Um, I know you can tell I have a shy personality, but that, <laughs> that first <laughs> night I actually was, um, I was very scared. I, it was my third day of being diagnosed. And I was actually, I got tested on a Monday, and I came into the group on a Tuesday, and I just was looking for anyone to, to answer my questions because anytime you, I mean, my testing experience was, I, Fiona, my doctor, just told me, I'm not good at this. This isn't my specialty, but I can give you doctors in Philadelphia that can help you. And when I called them for appointments, everyone was like, it'll be two to four weeks, you're a new patient. And I was like, what the hell do you do for two to four weeks? So then I had mm-hmm. called a friend who I knew was HIV positive in the city, and he knew about um, the group, and he told me to go to the group, and I got more questions answered in that hour and a half than I would have gotten from any medical professional. Did so you have expectations? What... What is it like being a uh, a person living with HIV and 
having other health issues. Um, uh, you said that you are a diabetic, correct? Yes. Um, so has has that been challenging? No, um, I have a great doctor, and um, I'm going to give him a shout-out, Dr. Watkins. If anyone's with Philadelphia area, use him. He's an amazing person. Um, he has told me from day one, he's like, the HIV is something you do not need to consume with your life every day. He's like, you need to worry about your diabetes, keeping your blood sugar on point. And he knew since I was a diabetic and I have to deal with all that, putting me on meds wasn't an issue. My compliance with my meds wouldn't be an issue for me. It's not a type of, you know, so he always tells me, you know, he's like, the HIV isn't going to kill you, the diabetes, well, we have a sarcastic relationship. But anyway, <laughs> I love him regardless. Whatever how sarcastic he is, I love him to death. <laughs> so, you know, what are the and, topics yeah, so I have to, I, I don't have any complications. I take my meds once a day, and I, I take care of my diabetes, too, every day. Well, that's good that you're able to tackle both of them at the same time. Um, yeah. We spoke earlier um, about uh, one of the post status that Aaron posted on Facebook about you know, is AIDS funny? Um, you know, you're you're a funny guy. You we joke about you know being HIV positive a lot. Um, were you on on hold listening when we were speaking about that earlier? I was gravel listening since 6:30 this morning. What did you say? I've been listening all day. <laughs> no, okay. okay. So so when we were talking about it earlier, like, is it is, do do you feel that it's wrong for people to joke about you know AIDS or things like that? but it's okay for us living with the disease to joke about it. You know, he kind of, um, you know, made it, uh, Aaron, how, how did you summarize it? Well, basically, uh, you know, we hear the media and things like that, like South Park. They had a joke about uh, AIDS allowing a person to lose 35 pounds. And one of my friends posted this on my Facebook wall. And so I just posed the question, you know, is it, are we to a place where, it's okay for mainstream people, you know, the, the public, to joke about HIV and AIDS? I think I'm the wrong person to ask that question because <laughs> I don't give two living shits about what anyone says about me or says about my status or about what I am or who, what I do. And Liza can contest to this because... She's a good friend of mine, and I've just, I don't, do I think it's right for a cartoon to make a joke like that? Personally, no, only because I know of people out there that don't deal with things the way I do, but I do think that there's a time and a place for humor in this disease. Mm-hmm. And I think that as me being 26 years old, and living with HIV, and, you know, I I just am I'm very, it is what it is situation. I'm, I'm going to make a joke, and if I offend somebody, I will totally apologize for it. It's not, it's not coming from a malice place or, a, you know, a vicious place or anything. It's just, it's how I cope. I cope with everything that way. It's through humor. And I, I mean, Robert saying earlier, I would like, never joke about anything morbid, so <laughs> I can't well, really I, understand. I can't really understand what you're saying because Robert and I would never <laughs> joke about anything like that. <laughs> just, just so you know, we're very proper ladies. 
I never would have ever assumed that. <laughs> I've got my sun hat on right now as we're talking, drinking my tea. Yes, honey, all the shade. <laughs> Drink your juice, so, Shelby. There is it. What movie is that from? That's the one I'm talking about. Still Magnolias. Still Magnolias, where she's talking about Shelby. She cries when she's dying, and then she snaps out of it. Sally Field moment. <laughs> Drink your juice, Shelby. <laughs> so, well, so yeah. how, how have you dealt with stigma or, or disclosure with dating and stuff like that? Has it been an um, issue? I'm actually um, dating somebody who is HIV negative, and um, I mean, I just I feel like honesty is the best policy, and I I don't go on a date with someone before disclosing. It's never right. worked that way for me. I've just always I've told them from the get go, and if they say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that, then I say, okay, because great, you rejected me on your ignorance. You don't know any. You don't know anything about me. You, you know, so that's your that's your burden to carry on your shoulders. I have been honest with you, and it's worked out fine with me. I've had I've met a lot of great guys. I've had a lot of great sex. I mean, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. You know, I am. I'm not. It hasn't affected me at all. And if anyone, you know, came up to me in the street from the article and was like you know, said something derogatory about me, I would just, I would probably hug them and say, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Just keep walking in my tight pants. I could so see you do that. (laughs) Yeah, like I just, it's not, it's just, you know, and Robert knows I wear some tight pants, let's put it that way. Well, you know, this is interesting because Marco Benjamin from, uh, uh, he works with uh, AIDS Healthcare Foundation, but he had shirts made up that said, this is what HIV looks like. And so yeah. I'm just picturing you with your fantastic skinny uh, jeans um, <laughs> being all fierce walking down the streets. Bitch, this is what HIV looks like. It looks great. Shoot. Yes, girl. <laughs> I, I should get one. I didn't even know I need to get a shirt like that. I need to. I just can't wear it to work. I can't wear it on the plane or at my other place of employment. They would they would probably be like, okay. <laughs> now, are you open <laughs> to work? Yeah, with my coworker. I mean, all my coworkers and my, my bosses and stuff, they all know. But, I mean, as far as, like, corporate levels. I mean, like, I'm a flight attendant on the side, and that's all we do is, like, once we serve you a Coke and cup of ice, we go in the back and talk shit about everybody. So, I mean, a lot of my I have, my flight attendant group has been very supportive, and they all, you know, are very. Like, none of none of them are ignorant towards it. It's been around in the community for a while, and you know, no one's ever said anything to me negative. And if someone said to me, "Well, don't drink out of my cup," I'd probably grab their cup, spit in it, and then put it back in their hand, but. It's probably not the right way of doing it, but you know what I mean. So what has meeting a group of guys like you have um, at the the support group, um, what what has that been like for you? Oh, it's been, um, I feel, as much as I don't give a shit, now I feel included. It's It's brought me into the gay community of Philadelphia. It's, it's someone, it's a friendly face. Someone I know who knows what I'm going through, no matter how much I put up my, 
my don't give a shit front. It's nice to know when something does happen to me, I can reach out to you guys and reach out and touch you, as you've all been saying this <laughs> evening so much. Um, <laughs> just, you know, it's it's good. You have someone who's gone through what you're going through, and it's it's a great system. You know, since the group has kind of fallen apart, I've kind of missed having that connection with everyone and seeing everyone every week and, and getting together over, you know, at Adams the other night. I think it was a, a really nice, you know, um, repeat of, of what it was and just having that support and hanging out and, and just being amongst family because that's, that's kind of what you've become. Exactly. And you can never break up a family. Now we owe that all to Liza, right? Exactly. That bitch ain't got no clue what she started. <laughs> Damn coven. <laughs> oh, crap. So um, let's see here. We uh, have a, a few minutes left with you, Ryan. Is there uh, any other message or anything else that you want to talk about specifically um, regarding your HIV status that maybe we haven't discussed yet? Well, we, we discussed this in, in group a couple times, and um, what what would we change different about the day that we became HIV positive? And yeah. I think a lot of guys said it, and I'm just going to reiterate it. I would want someone to just hug me, to say, would just, you know, like, no pun intended, reach out and touch me and hug me and not make me feel like the leper that you feel like you are at that moment. Because not everybody wants that, but I know that, my doctor did. She hugged me on the way out, and it just made me feel a hundred percent better about everything that happened to me that day. And I was, you know, still a person, and I'm not a status. And it's, you know, you are a human being. You're not. It just doesn't define you. It never will define you. I told someone one time right after I was diagnosed. Um, I was diagnosed back in June uh, of 2011 that I remember sitting in my living room after and I almost felt like this insidious thing was flowing through my veins. Now, that's very dramatic and, and, you know, all that. But for a lot of people that, and they repeat that, that they feel like this thing is in them. And it's really just coming to terms with this thing is always going to be with us. It's, I always joke it's in my genes now, right? It's in my DNA. <laughs> so I have no choice but to be positive. That's true. That's a good way of putting it. I never thought about it that way. And you know that you talk about that touch and how important that is. I, re- I remember when I was going through uh, the classes to become a tester and a counselor that us being able to touch the person who's getting tested, it was kind of depending on that person and how we read them and if they were the type of person that wanted to be touched because not everybody wants to be touched after they're diagnosed, but just knowing that you're not, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the word, I don't want to say that word, knowing that you are able to be loved because when we are diagnosed, we feel that we're never going to be able to be loved again. No one's going to want to hug us and touch us. And just having maybe that hand on our shoulder that's just saying everything's going to be okay, you know, you're going to live a long life is, is, is immense. It means so much. I 100% agree with that. I think it's important that, that counselors and testers do that. And that's kind of why I did it, because I feel if there was a positive person there who was testing me, I would have got a better response, because when I went, it was my family doctor, and it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is true. There must be something wrong. 
So I didn't have someone comfort me as they were telling me that I was positive. So I think just having that would, would have meant the world to me and made me feel a lot more comfortable in my skin. And that's my service. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that PSA. Yeah. So yes, the message yes. is hug people. Free hug. Hug people. The free message hug. is if you're a gay man, touch another gay man. That we're is all true. about free, free hugs here at Pause I Am Radio. Free hugs. <laughs> there, was, there was that whole movement for a free hug. You wore the T-shirt and it said free hug. Yeah. Yeah, it was like ecstasy or something caused people to do that. No, it wasn't ecstasy. It was, <laughs> you know, it was like free hugs. They did it in like Boston, Philly, New York. Sure, you might get MRSA, but it's a free hug. You know, that's right. It's a free hug. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Ryan, you've been a blast. And, you know, I love you and I enjoy your friendship. And I'm honored to be a part of, you know, the circle that we are in and the friends that we have are great. And, you know, I just think you're awesome. Thank you, sweetie. I love you, too. You and have yourself I a great night. I think you're awesome, too. Not as much as Robert, but I think you're awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> Second best is good enough with me. <laughs> no, you're you're well, doing great great work. Keep up the good work, and uh, we're really proud of you. But pleasure to talk to you guys. Have a great night, Ryan. All right, good night, guys. Alrighty then. What a great show, man. Three young guys talking about HIV. Um, it, it, it's it's incredible. It's the next generation. It's the people in their twenties who are are, are going to make a movement and and make a difference in the world coming up by just sharing their stories. I mean, that's what the show is about, sharing your story. And to have three young men come on and do that and, and provide hope for those who are maybe newly diagnosed in their communities, I think it's an incredible, incredible act on all three of them. Well, let me tell you what. Before we have Ryan on next time, we need to get that, that bleep button fixed. He, drops, <laughs> he uses more foul language than I do. I'm so proud. He is... He he bumped me off of my spot as the foul mouth king. I love him. <laughs> yeah, you should see him in person. <laughs> you should meet him in person when you come to Philly. It'll be a blast. I felt like there should have been a fire truck pulling up as he was on there. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So um, let's see, Aaron. Is there any final words you want to say? I'll play a song to get us out of this, and uh, that'll be it for the night. No, it's just whatever you do, go out there and uh, do something positive. There you go. Do something positive. And this is uh, this is Aaron's favorite song, so we'll just play it off the bat. Dog goes woof, cat goes meow, bird goes tweet, and mouse goes squeak. Cow goes moo, frog goes croak, and the elephant goes toot. Ducks and quack, and fish go blub, and the steel goes ow, ow, ow. But there's no sound that no one knows. What does the fox say? Did you really think I was going to go and not put out our information? <laughs> you have another thing coming. Aaron, where can people find you? 
You can find me on uh, Facebook and Twitter, Aaron Laxon, or on YouTube, uh, My HIV Journey. I am everywhere. There you go. You can find myself, Robert Brining, on Instagram at Positive Pitch. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Positive Pitch and for more information on myself, upcoming shows, and all of our past shows, and this show in the archive. You can go to iTunes or go to POSIM.org. We want to thank everybody for joining us, and have a great night. Uh, until next week, uh, I'll talk to you uh, soon, Aaron. All righty. Talk to you soon. Have a, have a good night and do something positive. Right. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.